cuts mid-2024. So cuts to the interest rates, et cetera. So are they going to have to stimulate an economy they've, they've hamstrung? It's, it seems like a yo-yo. We're riding a financial yo-yo and that's not fun. So there's lots to get to. Let's get to it first. Jennifer says, I feel like I just witnessed a lynching. This is about the Young Dundas Square thing. This is going back a few days. So this tweet is um, from December 14th. Today's the 16th. And she says, I feel like I just witnessed a lynching. Toronto City Council decided tonight to remove Henry Dundas's name from four locations in the city, starting with Young Dundas Square. Two subway stations with the name Dundas and a library will soon follow. Renaming all of Dundas Street is on hold for now. Mayor Olivia Chow rushed the motions onto today's agenda without notice and contrary to council procedures, taking everyone except the insiders by surprise. The low point of debate occurred when Mayor Chow uttered shockingly offensive lies about Henry Dundas, which appeared to have the desired effect. She was the last to speak. She accused Henry Dundas of promoting a plan to take African children to Europe and and the U.S. where they would be bred to produce more slaves for plantations. It was la-la land stuff. Another low point was when Councillor Mike Cole, sorry, I forgot that wrong, accused Henry Dundas of being Prime Minister's henchman who forced Haitians to pay reparations to slave owners for the loss of their slaves. I was speechless. It was the French who required reparations from Haitians, and they made their demands 14 years after Henry Dundas died. After Chow and Cole spoke, councillors councillors who moments earlier had spoken against the motion lost their nerve and reversed themselves going into today's vote. We had 50% support on council and believed it could go either way. The final vote was 17-4 in favor of renaming. The process that led to this moment has a familiar ring. Proclaim a wrongdoing, pick a convenient culprit, ignore evidence and due process, railroad the chosen culprit to a nearby hanging tree. When it's all over, claim it was all done in the cause of justice and celebrate the grand victory over evil. Right? And this guy here was responding to that. He says, Henry Henry Dundas helped abolish slavery in Canada by appointing Governor General Graves Simcoe, who in 1793 introduced the first law to start attacking the slave trade. Dundas also forced early politicians to compensate black loyalists, and Toronto City Council wants to cancel Dundas. And it's even more ironic because of what Sakofa Square stands for and who they're, who, who, what culture it represents, if you want to get talking about culture, right? Terrence says, surely this can be stopped. And Jamie says, they ditched the name of of a historic man, Dundas, for a nebulous concept in a foreign language. So Sankofa Square was the unanimous choice from a four-named shortlist by a city renaming advisory committee that includes representatives of Black and Indigenous Torontonians. A city staff report states the concept of Sankofa originating in Ghana refers to the act of reflecting on and reclaiming teachings from the past, which enable us to move forward together. Ah. Uh, Andrew Lawton points out, Toronto is stripping Henry Dundas's name from Young and Dundas Square over his connection to slavery, even though he was an abolitionist. But get this, the city is renaming it Sankofa Square, a word from the Aiken tribe in Ghana. The Aiken exchanged their gold for slaves. Ha! Right? So, wah-wah, right? I mean, seriously, guys. <laughs> We don't like Henry Dundas's name for his connection to slavery, but ignore this connection to slavery for the new thing. (laughs) Moving on. 
<laughs> which is just incredible. Oh, unbelievable. Comrade Common Sense, talking about the statue now, says, it sounds like Canadian Christians want their own 55-foot statue of Jesus. The precedent has been set. Now it's time to get to work. And I thought that was hilarious. And then people started talking about how in... Um, in India, they already have 50-foot statues of Jesus. Jesus sent, Jesus' statue sends his blessings from India. So there are multiple of these. But, but, one of the things that I'll caveat this with is that culturally, we don't drive around with statues of our gods. We have churches, and churches are meant to bring in, you know, community and, and all the rest, bring in people. But we, this is not something that you would just walk around and see in Canada, whereas in India you do. And so that's culturally very, very drastically different. And I, I don't think that the, I, I don't think that the 55 foot statue should stand. I, I don't think that because it's on private property that it should, it should be allowed and, and nobody should question it. I, I'm sure it violates some kind of bylaw or something. There's some reason that that 55 foot statue is probably violating something somewhere. But I just think culturally, it's it's a shift. And somebody said it's not the four olds. Somebody was commenting on Canada Poly yesterday said it's not the removal of the four olds. If it was removal of the four olds, it wouldn't they wouldn't allow the Hindu stuff either. It would all be crushed. And I just think it's a transitional phase because, like, if you try and go to nothing, then the people who are currently invested in the current system are going to have a hard time. But now you've got uh, an enemy. You've got competing, you've got a competing group. And because of the competing group in the different culture, now you've got uh, one group that's, uh, that's the, let's just call them old stock Canadians. And then you've got a new group coming in and the new group is trying to assert itself. And the old stock Canadians are uh, articulating their displeasure at what's going on and trying to make a change to a million people coming in and the rest of the economic disasters that that's, causing economic right but then you start bringing in the cultural stuff and people are saying hey hold on stop it and i mean we have anti-white legislation coming out talking about how they want to elevate black people and lgbt people um and that's that's counter to how most of us grew up most i most people who are 40 grew up in the 80s we were all supposed to be equal um judged on the content of our character and the you know grand tradition of Martin Luther King Jr., I think. Um, and, and so it's, it's very jarring to have people who have different skin color get double the funding for the same job just because they have different skin color, just because they're new Canadians or whatever it is. And so culturally, we're seeing a shift that is anti-white. And I think culturally, it, I, I think it, it still could work for the four olds, but I get the person's point. It, it could just be an anti-white thing. And here is IBM, this is, um, oh, what's this guy's name? James O'Keefe. And he's OMG Media. And he is saying IBM is super anti-white and they even have 10 commandments. This is DEI stuff. But I think that it's, when you're dealing with something the size of the culture that we're talking about, Western culture, you need something to destabilize it before you can replace it or remove it and, and add your own. And if the one culture's toppled, the new culture that's coming in isn't as ensconced, isn't as 
the, the roots aren't as deep. So it's easier to get rid of that after you, you're done using them to destabilize the first culture. That's what I was trying to say earlier. And so is this for olds? Is this just anti-white? I don't know. I'm not sure. But this is what IBM's doing. And I think this is wild stuff. Here's James O'Keefe. We've just received another. Oh, it's too fast. It's too fast. Hold on a second. Jeepers creepers. I listen to everything so fast. I get bored. It takes so long for people to say what they have to say. I can't watch my show unless it's in two times speed. Here's James O'Keefe. We've just received another internal document from within IBM's subsidiary Red Hat from another brave whistleblower inside the company. You're not going to believe this. We've been reporting all week on IBM and Red Hat's discriminatory hiring practices, and it just keeps getting worse. Apparently back in 2020, Red Hat had an allyship program within the company asking employees to follow certain commandments. So they've turned this DEI thing into some type of religion. Now, I'm gonna read from this slide here. This is given to us by an insider inside IBM, quote, your allyship commitment accepts these fundamental truths. The document reads listing 10 commandments employees must adhere to. If they don't follow the commandments, we have to take former CEO Paul Cormier, who's currently the chairman, at his word. Those employees will no longer be working at Red Hat. I could name multiple leaders over the last year plus that were held accountable to the point that they're no longer here at Red Hat because they weren't willing to live up to the standards that we set in this space. Here's an example of some of the commandments. Never question the reality of our black friends and colleagues. And your allyship understands only white people are racist, knows the black community owes us nothing in this work, is never rooted in white savorism, and does not seek recognition or praise for a job well done. One of the biggest complaints about DEI is that it borders on a new religion. Now, it's hard to deny there's an underlying religious aspect of DEI when it's literally called the Ten Commandments. This story has hit an unprecedented nerve inside of corporate America with hundreds, perhaps even thousands of DMs to OMG for within companies all over the place saying they've experienced crazy stuff like this. We'll stay on top of it. It's, of course, a full-time job merely responding to all the messages. So that's pretty wild stuff, really, right? Like when you're talking about having companies engaging in you must take this fundamental truth and if you don't take this fundamental truth you lose your job that's wild i was at a, a school play for christmas a christmas concert thing and at the beginning of the christmas concert um they did the land acknowledgement and one of the things in the land acknowledgement it used to they used to be different now the land acknowledgement says everyone must accept this fundamental truth about our land and I thought, what fundamental truth is that? Holy smoke. I thought it was very interesting, the, the rhetoric around the land acknowledgement. Immigration, let's talk about immigration and housing as well, because that's all kind of tied into the culture of everything. And No says, feds say immigrants needed to build homes, but only 1.6% of immigrants have the skills quote the recent data underscores the issue that we've highlighted there are not enough immigrants coming in who are skilled or trained to work in construction we're not bringing enough construction workers to build the homes we need to house the immigrants we're bringing in for other jobs so we need to bring in more construction workers the construction workers in the east 
are used to a lot of the time different working conditions. They make scaffolding out of bamboo. If you've never Googled scaffolding out of bamboo, it's wild to watch them do it. It's just so crazy because they're using like very, very flexible bamboo and they're just pulling really long bamboo poles off of a truck, I think it was. I don't think they had a crane. They were just grabbing it off a truck and they were like weaving it almost. And they had guys up on the bamboo scaffold as they were building it to like, you know, stabilize it and tie it off and stuff. And I thought, holy smokeronies, that's wild. Um, but it's it's interesting. It was, it's been a few years since I've watched it. So how they get it off the truck is probably, is very muddy in my head. But fundamentally, building things in Canada is different sometimes than building things in different places in the world. And so importing people with those skills because we refuse to set our immigration levels down to what we can actually house. That's not a plan. I don't understand how we can look at this and say building houses, and even if we expand as much as they say we're going to expand, building houses to the degree of uh, what four houses to every 10 we need is not a plan to deal with the problem. It's a plan to just shut the population up about the problem. It's wild. It's incredible to watch because it's not it's not close to a plan. Here's a wild n- new story as well. This is from this morning, or no, I guess it's from yesterday, 7.30 p.m., December 15th. Wab Canoe is offering Manitoba as a place for refugees and the people fleeing Gaza, the Gaza conflict in a letter to Trudeau. So you want to come to Manitoba? Come on to Manitoba, you Gazans, you. I don't think that's going to solve the problem. Relocating that population is not going to fix it. Gript, which is the Ireland media, says Neil Richmond says that a referendum to redefine family will make it easier for refugees to bring relatives to Ireland via family reunification. But in 2017, Fine Gale said it would be said it would have significant and unqualifiable, unquantifiable impacts on society. Here's here's what they're talking about. The reason I'm showing this to you is because. This is how they muddy language to make it easier for lots and lots of people to come into the country. Ireland is a little bit ahead of Canada, I guess, with the immigration and things uh, culturally that are destroying their country. And a little bit ahead, not not much, not much though. Um, here it is. The vote, which will be held on March 8th, 2024, seeks to modify Article 41 of the Irish Constitution to say that family is based not merely on the institution of marriage, but on marriage or other durable relationships, which is, of course, about as clear as mud. What exactly a durable relationship could mean is anyone's guess. I had a durable relationship with my goldfish when I was eight, but I'm not sure that we were considered a family in the eyes of the law. Regardless, the point is this seems like an issue which is very far from the top of topic of immigration. And yet, according to Fine Gale, Minister of State Neil Richmond, the two issues may soon be closely connected. Speaking on Virgin Media's Tonight Show last week, Richmond asserted that the proposed constitutional change, if passed, would not only provide the Constitution with modern time vernacular, but would have serious consequences regarding immigration. Quote, it has serious consequences, particularly when we think of immigration law and proving that someone is a family member or family reunification, he said. This would allow that to be accommodated as well. When asked by the host if this was because the new definition of family would be based merely on the loose description of durable relationship, the minister replied, yes, absolutely. So that's not great. And the way they they muddy down that language and all of a sudden, you know, all of these people are my family. Why? Because we have durable relationships. 
Very durable. Very durable. Right? So they can come to Canada. Justin Trudeau's asked, um, are you going to reduce immigration at all, considering we can't house all these people? And he says, do you know how important immigration is to the economy of this country? And if we turn off immigration right now, it will expose how fragile the Canadian economy is. Huh? Do you understand that? No? Next question. Here's uh, Justin Trudeau. CMA, she also says they expect a continued slowdown in housing starts uh, starting and moving into 2024. So with that in mind, is your government willing to make cuts to any stream of immigration uh, to soften demand for housing? I think one of the most important things that we need to understand is that immigration is a source of opportunity, of growth, of economic advantage for Canada. Uh, but it's also important to make sure that, as we always have, we're doing it responsibly and at a pace uh, that our cities, our municipalities, even our uh, rural regions can absorb. And that's why we're constantly looking at some of the challenges that have faced, that have been faced. Uh, for example, just a couple of weeks ago, our immigration minister made the announcement that because of the incredibly rapid expansion in international students, we were now going to make sure uh, that institutions that are welcoming in more and more international students actually plan to create and build uh, and ensure places where they're going to be able to stay uh, so that uh, <laughs> here's a ctv news article where they're using ice huts for homeless people who can't find housing in canada ice huts so is that a plan is that a plan are you serious honestly these people are just unbelievable it makes me very very angry <laughs> makes me very very angry indeed while Trudeau is ignoring reality, CTV News is reporting Canadian cities report rise in homelessness and in tent fires as winter sets in. Yeah, and CTV News again. Um, this is from Halifax. Cities across Canada are reporting a rise in fires, sometimes deadly, in tents and other shelters used by unhoused people. I wonder how come they're using the term unhoused people rather than homeless people? Because I wonder if there's search indexes or... That's a, weird, that's a weird way to refer to homeless people. Anyway, a situation advocates say is a tragic consequence of this country's homelessness crisis. As the number of homeless people continue to rise and the frigid weather sets in, it's inevitable that there will be more accidental fires. Tim Richard, president and CEO of the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness, said in an interview Wednesday, and then they talked more about that. But fundamentally, I think if you can't house the population that is here now, we shouldn't be advertising to foreign countries to come for the opportunities because they end up staying in ice huts, like ice fishing huts. It's insane. Here is Shane, and Shane is a home builder. He's a, con he's a construction worker, I guess. Uh, maybe he owns a construction business. I think he's uh, I think he says he's he's built quite a, quite a lot of dwellings. And Kamal is a minister of diversity, inclusion, and persons with disabilities. And Kamal says over 120 times, that's how many times the conservatives voted against Canadians last week. And sadly, they're still doing this on the final day of the House sitting when people show you who they are, believe them. And so she's talking about housing in her little list here. And he says, how are you constructing an additional 83,000 dwellings for Canadians? Since I began constructing new homes more than 30 years ago, labor shortages, material supply chain issues, and government red tape have caused a decline in output and prolonged construction schedules across Canada. So this is the kind of stuff that I talk about when talking about 
increasing the supply of homes. It's very difficult to just increase the supply of homes. And if you do it um, through construction, nearly impossible to 10 times it. If you're making 100,000 homes, it's very difficult to take that 100,000 homes and make it a million. If, you, if you're making 200,000 homes, like doubling it, you could you could make an argument that you could double it, right? So you could get up to 400,000 homes. But if you're bringing in a million people, how many years in a row could you double the the output of of housing especially with carbon taxes especially with labor being prioritized in the it's really ass backwards the way it is but labor the labor market should be a free market should be a free market period like honestly honestly because that makes the potential for the economy stronger having people say work costs this much is is a is a fix in the market and it doesn't help. It hinders businesses from being able to get off the ground. Now, I'm not saying that people should be able to pay 10 cents an hour because like the economy wouldn't bear that, right? But I'm saying that the government should should really pull its nose out of things it doesn't understand. Regardless, I'm getting off track. Um, let's, talk, let's continue talking about housing. National Post is reporting 115 million dollar funding deal could build 40,000 homes in Vancouver over a decade. In that decade, 10, uh, um, 10 million people could come into the country, more potentially, right? Depending on how, which income or which immigration streams you're looking at. But 40,000 homes over 10 years? So what? Like, that's not a solution. That's, if that's your plan, that's a garbage plan. Like, you need, you fail, get out. The whole room is more stupid for having listened to you. Holy cow, that's the plan? What? Anyway, moving on just a little bit. Crime. Let's talk about crime. Ron, he was a former police officer, and I don't think he's a police officer now. Um, He's a candidate for the Conservative Party of Canada, so here we go. He says, I served as a police officer for nearly 20 years, during which I was part of Canada's two major municipal police services, Toronto Police and Peel Police. My experience includes six-year tenure with the Integrated Gun and Gang Force in Toronto, where I played a key role in establishing the Integrated Gang Prevention Task Force. Recognized as a national expert in gang prevention, I've contributed to and have been directly involved in hundreds of criminal investigations, leading to the seizure of numerous illegal firearms. Throughout my career, I've never confiscated a firearm used in a crime from a lawful Canadian gun owner. Gun owner, Never, never, right? That's wild. This legislation, the gun legislation, unfairly penalizes the lawful Canadian population while doing nothing to address both the root and immediate causes of the growing crime problem in Canada. And the Liberal Party says, our legislation to combat gun violence received royal assent and is now law, including the handgun freeze, new red flag laws, and increased penalties for firearm smuggling. And while conservatives want to weaken gun control, we'll continue taking action, they say. Um, But the action they take is distractionary. It's just like trying to increase the supply of housing in the face of the hugely bigger immigration numbers. It's not going to work to solve the problem. It can't. Math just clearly outlines that. And they ignore that. They don't care. Here is The other day I was showing you how through traffic laws in San Francisco and nobody's reporting any traffic crime, ergo there's no traffic crime. I said that the liberals um, have been reclassifying crimes and letting people out and because they don't spend a certain amount of time in jail, then the crimes don't look as bad. It turns out I was kind of wrong. Looks like the um, crime statistics here from the Vancouver City News has crime increasing 
quite a lot under the liberals. And I'd seen this chart before. And I really, honestly, I didn't see the increase going the way it has. Actually, I guess I saw it to here, back to the same as Harper. But this one was, maybe it was this one I saw. Um, it was just below Harper. And I thought those snakes are reclassifying everything that they can. But now I guess they can't hide it. Um, so the 2018, 2019, 2020 numbers are are well above the Harper years. And 2021, 20, 22 are head and shoulders even more. Like the Harper years topped out at 450,000 um, incidents of violent crime or incidents of, of the crime that's measured in this index. Uh, and the Trudeau liberals are uh, for almost 100,000 more, almost, between 525 and 550. And, and this is just above 450. So that's the, the, the top of the Harper conservatives in 2006. So w- this is crime like we haven't seen since 2009 levels and more right so it's pretty wild um it's interesting to see and it is palpable canada feels less safe than it did um you can Hello, everyone. Thanks very much for watching. This is just a short version of a longer show. If you'd like to get the whole show, you can go over to canadapoly.com and sign up for a subscription. Just look in the drop down tab for shop and donate and look for subscriptions and you'll get immediate access to the full show. Love to see you. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful.